We are here. We are finally here. Christmas has come. We have been celebrating since yesterday afternoon with services. You who are joining this morning are perhaps the thoughtful, the disciplined, the reflective, or the merely physically present, thinking about gifts given and received and meals eaten or about to be eaten. We may be thinking as we have church this morning, the high point has already been reached. Maybe. But today we can pull strands together and gaze at the truths in the Gospel of John reading that provide greater understanding and perhaps resolve in our faith experience. As we talked about last week, this opening prologue of John is unique, almost more a poem. There is no baby Jesus. In fact, Jesus' name is not mentioned. But there is an appeal to the cosmic and to creation, the contrast of light and dark, and reference to the eternal existence of Jesus. There are two concepts we will focus on this morning. One is the word, word, which is found in our reading. And the other word is not in scripture, but a concept of significance in our Christian faith, incarnation. We hear the word, word, four times in this reading. The punchline is our last verse. The word became flesh and lived among us. According to many, the most significant claim of the Christian faith. In this opening poetry of John, many things are intentionally happening. Donaldson writes of this passage, the word in John evokes the creative word of Genesis 1, the cosmic and rational word of Greek philosophy, the word of wisdom and Torah from Hellenistic Judaism, and the person and story of Jesus. The takeaway, he adds, is the story of Jesus and the story of the cosmos is the same story. The word for word in the Greek here is logos. The lexicon helps us in our understanding of this word and its etymology. This verse, this this serves us as we ponder Donaldson's claim. Greek philosopher Heraclitus was the first to use the term logos around 600 BC. Logos designated the divine reason or plan that coordinates the changing universe. Further, the meaning of the word logos has to do with the spoken word, hearkening us to creation. God spoke and created the world and all that is in it. Logos is love, reason, authority, power, and is expressive, revelatory. It is the word John claimed for his prologue. This definition meets with his purposes. The word is Jesus. Jesus is love, reason, authority, power, and revelation. This helps us see Jesus as eternally existing and present at creation. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. All things came into being through him, Jesus. And this brings us to today, Christmas, baby Jesus. This incarnation, word became flesh. We hear it described in Paul's letter to the Philippians. He writes, let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who though he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be grasped, but emptied himself assuming human likeness, and being found in appearance as a human. Incarnation, taking off and putting on, and in Jesus' person while doing it, being fully God and fully human. 
in a baby, for real. Cynthia Rigby, writing on this passage, reflects how can the word share at the same time both the life of the creator and the life of the infleshed creature? She further articulates the conundrum, why would we accept a fellow human being as the source of all life? As we consider this, we need to not minimize baby Jesus. Even as a baby, incarnation is incarnation. There is complete God and complete human together in this little person. Welcome to limitation by Jesus because of love. Rigby reaches for Calvin to help us take this all in. Calvin imagines God speaking baby talk to us in the event of the incarnation, accommodating to our creaturely limitations so we might know the unknowable one. We are so limited and so small, and God is so loving and so powerful and so humble. Let us be reminded this undertaking, incarnation by God, is not an experiment. It's not a costume to put off and take, put back on. It's not a 33-year endurance for God to become flesh, but for eternity. Jesus is embodied, Jesus, forevermore. In our minds, that confronts our view of baby Jesus and our view of glorified Jesus, our need and our destiny. We need Jesus to save us, to help us, to show us how to live, and this goes into our eternal existence together. Jesus, through his resurrection, once and always shows us who we will become. Jesus will be embodied with us in glory. The word becomes flesh, period. The incarnation shows us God and shows us about God. Not only did our God humble God's self to take on, clothe God's self with flesh, but it means more. It means our God is not merely near us in proximity, but with us. Can you hear the difference? If God had not assumed our flesh, God would not be really with us, only near us. Jesus has entered into our fleshly existence, become one of us. What Jesus does in the flesh reveals who God is, but just that Jesus is flesh reveals God to us. God is love, power, and so committed to us that God becomes us to relate to us, to help us. God, with full intimacy and complete accuracy, knows what it means to be us and knows each of us individually as our creator. And God knows how to help us. St. Gregory Nazianzus, a 4th century father of the faith and a good friend of St. Basil, Basil the Great, for a little context, is known as a defender of the Trinity. And in his writings included strong language on the importance of God entering fully into creaturely existence. In conclusion, he wrote, that which is not assumed is not redeemed. These words have helped shape our understanding of Jesus and our salvation. Jesus could not save us if Jesus were not one of us. Jesus could not save humanity by being only in proximity. What love, what humility, what power, what sacrifice, and what modeling for us on how to live. 
As we consider the word made flesh, we may also be informed on how to live through our understanding of incarnation conceptually. What might it mean for us to consider relating to one another incarnationally? What might help? What are some of the things we need to take off or put on? Maybe taking off pettiness, judgment, exclusion. Maybe putting on magnanimity, mercy, acceptance. Jesus models incarnation and it challenges us to to humility in relating. That is demanding indeed. Ashley Cook Cleary describes the truths we take in in this season as a distinctive spirit of generosity that is shown through the incarnation, God's own humility and limitation, as well as our experience of generosity with one another at Christmas. She asserts this generosity tends to subside as soon as Christmas ornaments are tucked away for another 11 months. Let us not do that. May we wonder at the word made flesh throughout these next 11 months. And may we seek to live incarnationally for the sake of one another to the glory of God.